I need to revisit something I shared with you in, in February that was not accurate. Um, I'm still learning, right? Uh, and I do make mistakes, and this, this uh, subject matter that the Lord wanted me to revisit this morning is the greatest commandment and the subject of love. And back in February, I quoted from Matthew's Gospel where Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded in Matthew 22 and verse 37, saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is what Jesus said. And in other words, how you love other people is going to be based on how you love yourself. In other words, we, we are the standard when we look in the mirror. We, we're the standard of how we love other people, and, and sometimes that standard can be pretty low. Sometimes we don't even like ourselves, and we're supposed to love others and treat others the same way we see ourselves, and some people um, really would struggle with that, and I shared with you that command was replaced later by Jesus the night before he was uh, crucified in John's Gospel, chapter 13. We read of the upper room discourse, as it's called, and there's much detail in John's Gospel. And Jesus shared with his disciples, saying, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, Jesus said, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so at face value, it would appear that Jesus replaced the old commandment with a new commandment. He said this is a new commandment. And, and uh, he said, instead of saying, as, as you love yourself, he said, as I have loved you. In other words, he is the new standard. And here's where I was in error. A new commandment wasn't uh, necessarily to mean the commandment to love as yourself was to be discarded and no longer valid. He said, a new commandment I give you. And that word new in this setting, in this context in John chapter 13, it comes from a Greek word called kainos, which speaks of something being unprecedented, something superior uh, to what it succeeds, uh, far different from what was before, something that is extraordinary and, and significantly enhanced from the old. And so essentially Jesus was saying, I've established what it looks like to love yourself, uh, to love others as yourself. In other words, he was the benchmark. And so Jesus said, I want you to love as I have loved you, on the one hand. And on the other hand, he said, I want you to love others as you love yourself. And, and here's what I believe the Lord wants us to understand. Loving others as yourself and loving as Jesus loved are to be seen as the same. But what does it take to love like Jesus loved? What, what does it take? In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, the apostle writes, whoever says they abide in him, meaning Jesus Christ. So if we say we abide in Christ, if we're living with him, ought to, ought to walk just as he walked. That's a powerful, powerful statement, isn't it? If we say that we are one with Christ, we are to walk as he walked. Read through the Gospels. How did Jesus walk 
when people say, man, I see you walking just like Jesus. It's like I've got to make sure that this is, this is exactly what Jesus was doing. You see, one of the things that Jesus did was he walked with an unwavering love for people. So how do we get to this? How do we get to that type of love for others? You see, many Christians struggle with expressing their love to others. If I was to ask you to all stand up and, and, and shake about three or four hands and, and let somebody know, look them in the eye and say, I love you, and give them a hug. If I asked you to do that right now, some of you would just say, no, I'd rather get a root canal than look into someone's eyes and give them a hug, right? Why is that? Why, why is that? It, it, some would say, well, it feels awkward. It feels awkward to express love in that manner. It, it, it might not be reciprocated, or, or there's a vulnerability involved with, with loving people. So how do we get to that point where our love for others is greater than our fear of being mocked? Where, how do we get to that point where our love is, is, is stronger than, than the fear of being judged, or the fear of being hurt, or the fear of being rejected? How do, how do we overcome that you see Jesus didn't let any of these reasons stop him from loving people, did it? He didn't let any one of these reasons. Now, not everybody welcomed the love of Jesus, though. Some were very resistant to it. Some wanted nothing to do with it. And, and I suspect people in Jesus' day weren't any different than people are today. I know several people who resist love. They resist love. They don't want anything to do with it. And, and I can't tell you how many people have shared with me how they've been abused or, or hurt by somebody who is supposed to be loving them, who is supposed to be loving, and, and, and this picture has been distorted, and perhaps you're in a group of, of people, or in that group of people who have been hurt by somebody who is supposed to be there to love you. Maybe it was your father figure growing up, and your dad wasn't there for you. And you so longed for the love of your dad, but he wasn't there for you. Or he, he abandoned you. He never held you. He never embraced you. He never kissed you. He never called you your little, his little princess or his little, his little superstar. Never bounced you on his knee. He didn't have time for you. In other, in, in other, in other ways, he, he mocked you and, and you were never good enough for dad. I'm hitting home, right, to some? Or maybe you know somebody else, right? That's how that works. Oh yeah, i got a friend who grew up that way. Or maybe it was even a spouse. And, and you walked to a, an aisle, an altar one day, and, and they pledged to love you in this manner, but then it didn't work that way. And, and it's like they backed out of the deal, or, or they violated that love, and your heart was just ripped out. The mourning process, or perhaps in your past, somebody said they loved you only to take advantage of you and then to walk away from you. And now you're very suspicious of those who express love to you. And you say, what's the catch? Can I really trust this individual? Can I trust this, this person who wants to, to express love? And some have been burned so many times in the name of love. The thought of being vulnerable again is almost absurd. They will never step into that arena called love. They, so they build emotional walls around their heart and, and around their lives and they say it's just too painful. I know of some who have, who have got into relationships, good relationships, 
But after a certain amount of time, they, they purposely sabotaged the relationship because they knew in their minds it would end up inevitably end with a disappointment. And so they sabotage relationships because, again, it's, it's going to fail and they're just so convinced in their mind. There's many more reasons that people resist love or refuse to receive it. And then there's also several reasons that people don't extend love to others as Jesus commanded. How many have ever been betrayed by somebody you love? How many have ever been unappreciated by somebody you loved? Or, or, or taken advantage of by somebody that you reached out to? And you see, friends, for some that's reason enough to not extend love towards others ever again. Others, will they don't extend love to those around them because they're simply too exhausted and they're tired. They say, I don't have time for other people. I, I've just spent, I, I, I don't have any energy, I'm too busy with my own life. And some would say, I, just, I don't have that in me. Or others will say, I'm just not a people person. Or I'm shy, or I'm introverted. And, and friends, I get it that we're, we're all wired a little bit differently. Not everybody's a social butterfly. I get that. God wired us that way. But he also wired us with the capacity to give and to receive love. Some would say, well, it's, I just feel socially awkward or I keep to myself. It's more, I'm more of the independent type. We've heard those things, haven't we? I just pull back, some would say, and, and some would say expressing love isn't my thing. And yet, how do we reconcile that with the Word of God? The Apostle John, he wrote in his first letter, first epistle, first John chapter three. In verse fourteen he says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. That's the litmus test. This is the love is the evidence of our salvation. He goes on to say, this is how we know that, that what, what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. And and friends, I would explain I would suggest that expressing love is, is directly related to, it's directly linked to our ability to receive love. Think about it. Jesus loved people unconditionally. Now we might say, well, Jesus was God. And friends, I believe that's an insult to the Lord. He was a human being that had taken away from what he's done. The truth is he was a very real person, just like you and I. And he was filled with the same Holy Spirit that you and I are. But, but here's the key. Jesus embraced the unconditional love of His Father. He embraced it wholeheartedly. He embraced it completely. As a man, Jesus understood the love of the, of the Father towards Him wasn't only a truth, but it was a never-ending source of, of love to tap into for Himself and for others. It wasn't just, it wasn't just theory. And friends, this same source of love is available to each and every one of us this morning. You all believe that one? That, that, that it's, it's, it's available, you see. Until we embrace the love of God, we, we can't give it away. We can't give what we haven't received. One of the criticisms of, of many churches is they're cold and they're, they're judgmental. And the interpretation of that is they're unloving. They're unloving. They all just keep to themselves or they, they have these little clicks or they, or they just, I just walk in and, and, and nobody acknowledges me and they're, they're just cold. In other words, they're, they're more like an institution than, 
than a family. You see, friends, we have to get our Father's love from our theology books into our veins. It's got to be a part of who we are. Amen? Is this making sense that we have to, this has to be a part of us? It can't just be a, a belief or something we say, yeah, I, I, I acknowledge that. You see, the reason that Jesus could love unconditionally was because He was walking in this ongoing inflowing of the Father's unconditional love in His life. Again, Jesus is recorded in John's Gospel in chapter 15 saying, as the Father has loved me, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Do you see the, the sequence there? there? There's a sequence. This is how the, the flow of love works. Jesus, as a human being, embraced the love of the Father. He was so saturated with it, it became, it became who He was. He embraced this and, and He loved others from that, from that overflow. But it, starts with, it, it flows from love, not for love. You see, this is what religion is. Religion is the opposite end of the spectrum. A religious mindset begins with trying hard to love people. Trying hard to be a good person. Try, trying harder to, to, to hopefully earn God's love. That, that someday that we will get His approval, it's, it's very performance-based. And, and the more you do for God, the more you do for people, this is the mindset of so many people, the odds increase of finding favor and love in God's eyes someday when you stand before the pearly gates. I talk to people who are, who are good religious people in their 60s and 70s and 80s. Do you know where you're going to go when you die? I hope so. I've been a good person. That breaks my heart. I hope so. I've been a good person. What does that have to do with the cross of Jesus Christ? But you see, that's what, that's what religion is all about. It's, it's all conditional. And how much love we can muster up on our own. You see, with this religious approach, times of praise and worship to God are even a challenge. Times when we sing and we, we, we elevate the name of Jesus and it's like, I know, uh, yeah, I guess we got to do this part of the service. It's kind of an obligation. It's a duty that it's the right thing to do. As long as it doesn't go too long. That's how some process a time of, of praise and adoration. Friends, might it be if we struggle with worship? If we struggle with, with loving people that we haven't embraced the unconditional love of our Father? Is that a possibility? Is that a possibility? <laughs> that if worship or loving people is a chore, that perhaps we haven't received the Father's unconditional love? You see, if we try to love people from our own strength without having received from God as our source of love, we'll always be limited to the capacity of love that we can give out. There's going to be some limitations. Not so if we're drawing on God's unlimited love. In other words, we are not the source of love. But God is. You see, before we can love as Jesus loved, we must first receive a constant flow of the love of the Father into us, towards us. That's why the Apostle John says we love because He first loved. He first loved. 
He's the initiator of love. That second song, he pursued us in love. I could really relate to that song. Anybody else? I try not to live in the past, but there's thoughts that go through my mind of, of times when, when the grace of God was so heavy on me and I didn't even realize that he was pursuing me. He was pursuing me. That's his mercy. Why was he so relentless in his pursuit of us? Because he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. You see, when we, when we look to him, his love enables us to love. His love enables us to love him back. That's where we, the, the clock, it just goes away when it's time to worship him. We can get caught up and we could say, wow, that was an hour? It seemed like 10 minutes. It's not a chore. It's a pleasure to say, wow, where did the clock go? Because we have received His love and we can give it back. It's natural. It's not a chore. When we receive His love, it enables us to love other people. It's not a chore. When, when we receive His love, it enables us to love ourselves. It enables us to, to look at ourselves. You see, God's love for Jesus was unconditional. When Jesus was baptized, the Father said, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus had done nothing with His actions or attitudes or words that made God say that. It wasn't His performance. This had nothing to do with the accomplishments of Christ. Jesus knew that His Father loved Him unconditionally, and so Jesus chose to see Himself the same way His Father did. Have you ever heard that expression, God loves you and so do I? Anybody over here? <laughs> God loves you and so do I? Huh? You ever? How about God loves me and so do I? You ever say that one? God loves me and so do I. That almost sounds weird, doesn't it? <laughs> and I'm not saying we're to be full of ourselves, but do you see yourself, do you love yourself, rather, unconditionally? God does. You see, here's the deal. God loves you whether you like it or not. He cannot not love you. He's seen all of our actions. He's seen every time we've compromised. He's seen every time we've lied, every impure motives of our heart. He has seen it all. He's seen all of the junk we've done. He may not love all of our actions, but He still loves you. He still loves you. It didn't, his love meter didn't go down one little insy bit when we were doing the most rotten things in His face. It's unconditional love. And in the same way, we can never do anything to make God love us more. You can read your Bible annually, the whole thing, cover to cover. You can spend two hours a day getting up early and, and reading the Bible. You can pray. You can fast. You can come to church every time the doors are open. You can volunteer and serve. And you can overflow with generosity. And friends, those are all good things. But, but God doesn't love you any more because of them. It doesn't go up even one little notch. Nothing. 
It doesn't waver. God isn't in a good mood and, and in a bad mood depending on, and His love doesn't fluctuate one iota. For, for any one of us, you see, His love is completely unconditional. Do you believe that? Ask somebody next to you if they believe that. Do you believe that? That His love is constant. You see, one of the lies that the, that the enemy would, would throw at each and every one of us oftentimes, and, it, and it's repeated in, in, in churches, is that we are filthy, rotten sinners that continually come up short. That's shared from a lot of pulpits. That we're all just a bunch of lousy sinners that are going to keep on sinning and, and we get mad at ourselves and we beat ourselves up for being the way we are. Essentially, we're, we're, we're basing our love for ourselves on our actions. And that's called conditional love. You ever really screw up and you just think like you're like you're in, you're like you're pond scum and you just kind of you just see yourself as from here down to here like I am and, and you say these things you think these thoughts about being such a low life and such a hypocrite and and you see friends if we love ourselves conditionally we will also love others conditionally can we love ourselves unconditionally when we look in the mirror do we say I love myself so much. When we step on the scale in the morning, do we say, oh, I love myself so much? <laughs> when we get the doctor's report that, that that isn't what we were expecting, do we say, oh, I, I love myself so much? It hasn't changed from before I got the report to now. When we look at the checkbook and it's on empty, do we say, I love myself? My love for myself, my, my, my love is, is unconditional. You see, God's love for us is unconditional. Jesus loved others as He loved Himself. Friends, imagine if each one of us loved ourselves unconditionally rather than conditionally. So often we, we, we look at, at ourselves and we forget the value that God sees in us. You want to see the greatest investment that God ever made? The greatest investment of all times, you want to see it? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. You're looking at the greatest investment that God has ever made. Do you think he's a good investor? He is. He is. When you look in the mirror, you're saying, you invested everything in me. You see, our worth is not contingent on our performance. Our value is not based on how good of a person we are. Our value was declared on the cross 2,000 years ago. What was God willing to pay for you? What was He willing to pay for me? God made a good, good investment. Do we really believe that God loves us that much? Have we embraced it? You see, the provisions of love and forgiveness have been made for each and every one of us. Some of us would say, absolutely, I want to receive the forgiveness that was provided. I want to go to bed with a clear conscience, no guilt. I want to get that sealed. What about the love of God? Do we say, absolutely, I want, I want to understand it more. I want to know the full love of God. Have we received the provisions of both? 
we say, oh, I want the forgiveness, do we want his love? Do we really hunger for that? We receive this provision by faith, and I just believe this simple message is the Lord is saying, embrace my love. Don't look at my love as something to fear. Don't look at the, the, at the human um, sources of love that have disappointed you or hurt you. His love is perfect. His love is absolutely perfect. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your love. Lord, help us to realize that according to your word, spiritual maturity is, is measured by love, not by theological knowledge. Help us to become more comfortable with expressive love because if we're not comfortable with love, then we're not comfortable with you. Because your word says you are love. Lord, you look down at each person here this morning and You've seen how we've received love and how love has impacted us. And Lord, I pray for anybody here who needs to receive your love. Just like they've received forgiveness, the provision has been made. We didn't earn it. Lord, give us the courage and the desire to embrace it. Lord, I pray for anybody here who's got a, a need and they, they just cry out and say, God, give me a greater revelation of the scope of your love for me. Increase my hunger. Open my eyes to get a greater understanding of your love. Lord, I pray for those who, who need to love themselves as you love them. Lord, if there's some in here who don't even like themselves, maybe they see themselves as dirty or guilty or damaged or a failure or beyond hope, Lord, that's not what your word says. Lord, I pray that this would be the day that, those, that, that we're all set free from any lie that we are anything less than unconditionally loved. And, and Lord, open our eyes to see ourselves as you see us that we would walk out of here released from the lie that we are not good enough. Lord, I pray for any in here who would need to release your love to others. A love to all without reservations, without expecting anything in return. Lord, give us the ability to love people even if they might step on our hearts or our reputations or betray us. Lord, help us to be transparent and vulnerable like Jesus modeled. Open the eyes of our hearts 
to receive your unending, absolute, completely fulfilling love. We ask that you would just stir that within us, put that desire in our hearts. We ask for your glory in Jesus' name.